What's going on, Clutch Crew Sports fans? It's Zach back here, and this is our first episode after the Christmas break. I've got Nate and Connor on the line. I'm actually live in person with Nate. We're recording together. Connor, of course, coming through you guys through Skype. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Got yes. some college football on the TV, so... <laughs> yeah, we're starting to get into actual bowl season now with uh, with some good bowl matchups. So that's definitely some stuff to look forward to. We got on Saturday the college football playoff games, which only one of them is going to be a good game, but I think it's going to be a really <laughs> good game. I mean, the, the Oklahoma LSU is going to be a blowout, but yeah. Clemson, Ohio State is going to be fun because that's that could go either way, really. Well, we, we saw that uh, Eric did differ from us. He picked Ohio State, so... He did, so... But but he still picked LSU in the final, so we're pretty mm-hmm. much in consensus, except for Eric on the Clemson-Ohio State game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But America as a whole is, like, divided on that game, so... It'll be interesting. Well, I, yeah. I saw that... Um, I saw an interesting map, actually, of, like, which state was rooting for who, and it was, like, the, like, most... Uh, states were voting were rooting for Oklahoma. It was like like twenty some states were rooting for Oklahoma, and then like kind of two less than that, like twenty something were rooting for Ohio State, and then like seven for LSU and like three for Clemson. <laughs> That's kind of weird. I would have thought there'd be more LSU since they haven't been in the national conversation yeah. you know they're not like a clemson i can understand why people are tired of clemson yeah. well i thought i thought it was interesting for clemson like of course north carolina and south carolina were voting were like rooting for clemson but then it was like minnesota or something was the other state yeah. that was rooting yeah. for clemson i was like what <laughs> there's always some weird uh state. like south carolina gets like a lot of texans fans now since deshaun watson's on a tech with the texans it's weird how like but that, that's a totally – Minnesota has no relation at all, so that's a weird one. <laughs> yeah, but I that is fascinating to hear. So we have some miscellaneous sports topics to cover with you guys today. Now they are all going to be NFL-related, so I'll just preview all the topics now. So I'm going to start out talking about Jameis Winston, and he's really an interesting situation, which is why I made him his own topic. And then Nate is going to talk about the Cowboys season. Obviously, they still have a slight chance to make the playoffs. They got to have a couple things happen this week. But he's going to talk about their season being like a disappointment so far. And then Connor is going to talk about Antonio Brown with this latest report where he is being worked out by the Saints. So all of these are NFL topics, but they're all different. They're all going to be pretty interesting to hear about. So. I'll move on and talk about Jameis Winston to start out with. And Jameis Winston has been such a weird quarterback because just like a month ago when we were recording this podcast, we were going through each team and talking about are they going to have their their returning starting quarterback, a new starting quarterback, or is it to be determined? And I remember we put the Buccaneers on the definitely going to have a new quarterback. But since that time span... Jameis Winston, I think, had two or three like 500-yard games and like four touchdowns and stuff. And the Bucks have been winning as of recently. They lost last week to the Texans. Uh, it was a really close game. But it's you look here at the screen and you see these stats with Peyton Manning. And I did see this. This is through 13 games, so this isn't that far away. And I know Peyton Manning 
at age 25 had probably played less NFL seasons than Jameis at age 25, but it's still looking at these numbers. I mean, it's kind of crazy how like similar they are in uh, all of these stats. Like all of them are really within like one or two uh, points of each other. I mean, even the passing yards are so close together and they're obviously the same age. And we know what Peyton Manning ended up being. Uh, I'm not saying that this graphic means Jameis Winston's going to have the career that Peyton Manning had with two Super Bowls and a lot of stuff, but it's insane, but true. That's the title here for the CBS sports graphic. And so, like I said before, if you'd have told me a month ago, I just said Jameis Winston's gone. He's going to be some backup on another team. But after what he's, after the kind of stats that he's put up now, the, Obviously, the thing that's really holding him back are the interceptions. That's been his problem his entire career. And I know... I, I think I saw a meme a meme that was something like, get you a girl that looks at you like how Jameis looks at his primary <laughs> receiver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say the Bucks they throw a lot. I mean, they are probably the most passing team in the league. And he does take chances, and he does throw some bad interceptions. He also throws some that are probably shouldn't be interceptions because it's the wide receiver's fault. But I always say when it comes to that stuff, I've seen Bucks fans on Twitter be like, oh, look at this interception. That wasn't Jameis's fault. But then I can point to an instance where a DB dropped a potential interception. So those usually balance <laughs> each other out. You know what I mean? Like it's all, they're always like, oh, it's the wide receiver's fault. But then earlier in that game, he threw one that like the safety just flat out dropped. So it's like they cancel each other out, I think. Yeah, and it's uh, it's way too many. It, it's way too many to win with. But the thing is, is he's got Byron Leftwich as his offensive coordinator, and I mean, people have been saying Byron Leftwich is like the next. He's going to be the next hot head coach for somebody. He's risen through the ranks. He's gone from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator in like the span of like two years. It seems like uh, it seems like just a couple of years ago he was playing for the Steelers as a backup. Even. I know, man. So, I, know. I wish yeah. he was still our backup right now. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting to see how they would have done. But, um, but yeah, so he's got that working for him. Bruce Arians, he's had success with quarterbacks. Uh, he turned Carson Palmer's career around in Arizona. He worked with, I think, Peyton Manning in Indy. So he's been a Roethlisberger, I think, in Pittsburgh. So he's had some success with quarterbacks that later end up having really good careers. And it's interesting because Jameis's contract is up this year, and there's so many possibilities that can happen with Jameis Winston. There's the franchise tag possibility, but then you get the curveball of the media report recently that said that Jameis Winston is seeking $30 million a year, and he's not <laughs> going to play for a franchise tag. So it's kind of crazy that we're going from a guy that just a month ago, it seems like wasn't going to be the starter next season, and Tampa was going to draft the heir apparent. To now asking for thirty million, and if they franchise tag him, he's not going to play. How serious is that threat? I don't know. But this is going to have to. We're going to have to figure this stuff out as time moves along. But it's just, and it's so crazy. And then so he could obviously just hit the market as an unrestricted free agent, and then all bets are off where he goes. And Nate's going to talk about the Cowboys. <laughs> another minute here, but I've been seeing on Twitter some people talking about could Jameis, because you know Dak isn't signed by the Cowboys, could the Cowboys end up signing Jameis Winston next year? That would be 
That'd be interesting. <laughs> that would be wild. Hey, well, you know, you know, Jameis wants thirty million, and Dak wants forty million. So you go with the lesser of the two. Yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah. So that's a lot of money, I think, for Jameis. But it's going to be interesting to see because I think he has shown that he can be a starting quarterback. I think he can be a really good quarterback. It's the interceptions that really have plagued him. And I think that is going to cost him when it comes to negotiating. But I mean, I think team. I think he's got so much talent and so much potential that he's going to get paid. And it's it started out looking like okay, maybe he's just going to get like a one year prove it deal. Like a, I think he's playing on his fifth year option this year, so it would have to be something else. But he would just get like a one year prove it deal. But we're going to see. It's going to be interesting what happens with him. And I think. And I said this um, on Twitch and got some interesting reactions from some other NFC South fans of other teams. But I really do think that if Jameis comes back to the Buccaneers next year, that this team has the potential and I think the real likelihood of winning the NFC South. When you look at this defense, all of their defense is flooded with rookies (laughs) or second-year players. I mean, Devin White, obviously, middle linebacker is a rookie, but they've also got Jamel Dean, uh, I'm forgetting the name of one of their other guys. Uh, Vita Vea at nose tackle. Oh yeah, he's yeah he's not in the secondary, but he's oh, okay. a second year player, and virtually it's his rookie year because he basically missed every game last year. He's been really good. Uh, well, and I think this guy, I think Vernon Hargraves is like only like a fourth year player, isn't he? No, they they cut Vernon Hargraves. Actually. I thought he was still there. No, he they they cut him, and uh, I don't remember who picked him up, but. I think he's out of there. There's there's some Carlton Davis, that's the name I'm thinking. That's of. right. Yeah, he's been really good for them in the secondary. But these but yeah, they, they did cut Hargraves because he was a bit of a bust. Mm-hmm. And regardless though, their secondary is flooded with all of these young players that I think are just gonna get better as the year goes as next season comes around. Todd Bowles has already done a really good job with that defense, looking at what it was last year. I mean, they've been able to win some of their games because of their defense. Jameis will have like four interceptions in a game, but the, since the defense has gotten so much better, they'll like stop the other team from scoring on like two of those turnovers. So, I mean, Tampa's had a chance to win. If you look at their schedule, um, the, I know they lost in Seattle because of a missed field goal that they had. They lost another, they lost to the Tennessee Titans because a blown whistle called on like a, it was like a Miles Jack was a down type of a play where they would have scooped and scored, but the ref blew a whistle, and that ended up costing them the Titans game. And if they'd won those two games, I mean, hey, who knows? I know the NFC's loaded this year, but they might have been able to sneak in ahead of Minnesota for a playoff spot. So, And especially they would have been playing more motivated against Houston last week. They were already eliminated at that point. But it goes to say that this Buccaneers team has definitely had a better season than all of us predicted. And Jameis has thrown 23 interceptions and five pick sixes. I mean, like, it's remarkable to think that you can have this bad of an interception number but still be winning games. And this offense is so high-powered. I mean, Mike Evans and uh, Godwin are a great duo. You got O.J. Howard in the middle. Perriman's fast. He can run and catch. This offense is- I, I will say O.J. Howard, though, has been, like— I remember I drafted him in fantasy, and he's been a huge disappointment. He has a bust on the season, but as of lately, he's way underused. That's the system that 
that Arians runs. But he, as the last couple of weeks, they've been getting him involved a lot more. So, and he's definitely got talent. So mm-hmm. there's, they've got, they don't really have a great running back there, but they've got two that are workable, I guess, and uh, Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber. So. It's an in, the Buccaneers are going to be interesting. Jameis is going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this turns out because are the Bucks going to overpay for him and is he going to end up busting? Is this? The, I mean, like I'm serious. Could we? Is he just playing like out of his mind right now and then going to get a huge contract that's undeserving, or is he going to get severely underpaid and end up being like a Ryan Tannehill where he maybe goes to a team as a backup and then ends up starting and then doing really well like Tannehill's done. There's just so many possibilities with Winston. It's kind of crazy, but he's definitely, I think he's, I personally think he's in line for a big payday. You know, these quarterbacks, you don't even have to be good. You just have to, you just have to like have potential and they'll pay you. So <laughs> I think the Bucks are going to be in win mode now, now next year, win now mode next year, because the team's gone so long. They're like one of only two NFL teams to not go to the playoffs in this decade. So they need to, the other being the Cleveland Browns, they really need to get it together. I think next year is going to be their year, and I do think Jameis will come back. I don't think he'll get what he's asking for, but we'll see. I mean, he could just be calling the bluff with the whole franchise tag thing. A lot of players do that. It's going to be interesting to see how the Bucks test him with that because they can't always, the Bucks can say that, hey, you've had off the field issues, which he has had to try and lower his price tag a little bit, but. One, I want to hear what you guys think. Do you guys think he can be a great quarterback? Obviously not Peyton Manning caliber. That's not what I'm saying. But I think he can be. I think he can be a great quarterback because, I mean, Peyton had virtually the same stats at the same age as Jameis Winston. So oh, your Norton subscription got canceled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's Nate's computer. So yeah. Everybody, go, everybody go hack Nate now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, what do you what do you guys think, though? Seriously, what do you guys think? About him? I think, um, I agree with you that he could be a great quarterback. Obviously, you see his numbers, and his. I think I believe he's still top five in the NFL in passing yards. He's uh, number one, he's, actually. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's been yeah. he's been slinging it, and he's got a bunch of touchdowns. But right now, he's. He either has or he's on pace for a 30-30 season, 30 touchdowns and 30 picks. It's like me and Matt. Was, yeah. <laughs> or, actually, more 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 realistically, me. That was I, uh, our last season in Madden. I had like 53 touchdowns, but like 33 interceptions <laughs> for Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah. Which those are like preposterous like numbers. Like you never see those. But I don't know. I think, I think definitely the talent, the arm, and the, his mobility and all the physical traits are there. But I just don't know if the decision-making is at an elite level. And I don't know. I mean, he's been in the NFL like five years now, and he hasn't really shown any improvement in that area. And so I don't I don't know what his market's going to be for another team because I don't – looking on the NFL, I don't see any team that needs a quarterback that's going to have a better situation for him than in Tampa with um, Bruce Arians and um, Leftwich. That's a – I was good of you know, an offensive kind of – couple offensive minds leading the show that you're going to find around the league and he's got the weapons too yeah chris you're throwing at mike evans and chris godwin pretty much anywhere else is going to be you know a downgrade obviously speaking of the teams that need a quarterback you know not the saints or whatever but so i don't know i, I think if Jameis winston's going to become a great quarterback it's going to be the situation in tampa bay 
So I don't, I don't know. I think the thirty million is pretty steep to ask for, um, considering some of the other options out there right now. They're definitely be cheaper. Like you can get Teddy Bridgewater, you can draft a quarterback, all that. So I don't, I think he's gonna sign in Tampa Bay for less than thirty million. Be my prediction. And if he does sign somewhere else, I think he will uh, end up becoming a bust and probably being out of there in less than two years. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <clears throat> My thing with Winston is that, or at least when it comes to the Bucks and like his contract, the problem for the Bucks right now is that you know they thought they were going to have a really bad year, so that way you know, okay, if you go like four and twelve, five and eleven, you're going to have a you know a good draft pick or something like that. But you know they're going to end the season. No, I mean, who are they? I can't remember who they're playing the last week. They're playing Atlanta, I think. Yeah, yeah, but I right. mean, you know, you're going to finish like seven and nine, eight and eight which unfortunately that kind of puts you in no man's line. You know, my dad always likes to talk about the bills, you know, the bills have never been good enough to make the playoffs, but they've never sucked bad enough to get a really good draft pick. (laughs) So that's kind of where the Buccaneers are in right now. So, you know, drafting a quarterback is probably out of the question, you know, given some of the teams that are going to be ahead of them, like Cincinnati and Miami and, possibly Oakland. Well, Oakland might not be ahead of them, but like, you know, maybe Denver and the Chargers, some of these teams that might be looking for quarterbacks, <clears throat> you know, all the quarterbacks are going to be gone. So, and I I don't know what Tampa Bay's cap situation is like. Like how much? I know it's not much, good. No. Yeah. I know they're they at the bottom of cap space. So Okay. So they don't have a lot of cap room next year. So, because my thought was, you know, I think Jameis is kind of like, he's kind of playing out of his mind right now because, you know, everybody was talking going into this year. You know, when you hear those, those rumors and those, you know, people talking like, oh, this is like a proven year. Like if he doesn't do good, then he's going to go out. You know, that's going to be it for him. <clears throat> so I think that actually kind of got to him and he, you know, used that as motivation this year. But if he gets some kind of a contract, like especially if he gets a $30 million contract, I think he's going to kind of pull like what a Ryan Fitzpatrick did in Buffalo, you know, all of a sudden he was showing some promise and Buffalo was starting to come back on the rise. And then they gave Ryan Fitzpatrick a huge contract and he just, you know, morphed into the Ryan Fitzpatrick that we all know and love today. So um, I think that'll happen with Winston. If they give him a big contract, I think he's going to bust even in the Tampa Bay situation. I mean, you know, obviously Chris Godwin is, is like a new addition, but the Buccaneers still don't have a running game. And, you know, he had been throwing to Mike Evans for a long time, and that wasn't working. So, and again, like, if you keep throwing, you know, 30 interceptions on the season, that's an easy way to, you know, get yourself knocked out of the playoff race. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. I'm definitely not on Zach's train of that they're going to win the NFC South next year. I still think the Saints are far and away a better team, even if Drew Brees retires. Um, But... It'll it'll be interesting to say the least. If he go, I'm also in agreement with Nate that if he goes somewhere else, he's not gonna do anything. Like he'll be, I don't know if he'll be out of you know in two years, but I feel like he'll get benched you know at some point. Like he'll be downgraded to backup at some point for another team, especially if it's one of these teams like Cincinnati or Miami that's gonna have a young quarterback. They're yeah, gonna ben- they're gonna mm-hmm. bench him in favor of the young quarterback. Yeah, he- so. I if I was him, I would not be looking to go for that. I, I mean, you're gonna if he's gonna do that, he's gonna become the next uh, 
Sam Bradford, Ryan Fitzpatrick, guy yeah. who moves from <laughs> yeah. team to team for going to make tons, year, make tons right? of money, yeah. you know, going yeah. on these one year contracts. And they get benched in week six, you know, yeah. you know, one in five. Like, so I don't, I don't see that happening for him. I, I think if he does leave Tampa, it would be if the Cowboys can't resign Dak, that could be a possibility. It could be Chicago, could be Carolina, maybe. I don't, I mean, yeah. that'd be kind of weird, but. If I was a team, though, looking for a quarterback and I wasn't going to draft one, I think, I don't know what you guys think. Like, but I think, could he be the next Nick Foles? Like, and get but a I think money. in this market, I almost feel like teams would rather go after Teddy Bridgewater as a yeah, free okay. agent than Jameis Winston, you know, because I think a lot of teams see the potential that Bridgewater's, you know, did pretty good in a few starts and they're going to want to sign him for a little bit less money. Okay. That would, yeah. I'd see the bigger market well, well that's the thing it, it depends on if drew Brees retires or not right because like if drew, Brees, yeah. if drew Brees retires i feel like the saints are going to break the bank to try and bring teddy bridgewater back <laughs> right. because you know they saw how he did this year but yeah if drew Brees doesn't retire then i i do agree that someone's going to try and get him for a little bit less but <sighs> i think Jameis would like i mean especially in <clears throat> dallas i feel like he would fail if he went to dallas i mean you see <laughs> dallas they're already you know they're already failing, you know, because Dak Prescott's near the top of the league in passing yards too. Right, he's top. Still, <clears throat> yeah, he's like top three right now, and he's they're still doing. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott's having a really off year this year. Mm-hmm. So, and if Ezekiel Elliott's not playing well, then we've seen what that what happens to that team without them. Which I mean, yeah. I know we're I know we're going to get to that in a second. Oh, but, you're going to lead into yeah. that, <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, I feel like the Cowboys would be the end of Jameis Winston. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, them boys, um, we the boys. About, yeah. Um, talking about the Cowboys now. Kind of, I mean, kind of the train wreck this season has been. They're seven and eight right now, which on paper is not that bad. But when you look around the roster, you got guys like Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Mari Cooper, uh, Leighton Vanderesh, and Sean Lee on the defense. I've got some big names. Definitely got talent across the board. And this season, pretty much by all accounts, by anyone who watches football, has been a mess. They've, they've won the easy games versus, you know, the Redskins versus Miami versus the teams they should beat. When it comes down to teams like division rival, you know, a division rival that you've got to win versus the Eagles in December uh, that we saw last Sunday, they kind of just fall on their face. And I think there's a few causes to the problems here. Obviously, like, the first one everyone wants to – point at is Jason Garrett, which I would agree with. I've been saying for <laughs> there you go. I got a nice picture of him having a uh, pretty confused face, which <laughs> seems to be I'm, I'm surprised he's not clapping in this picture. Right. <laughs> you know, team goes uh three and out, you know, better clap, you know good job. Guys. Yeah, good job guys. Good <laughs> hustle. Um I've been saying for years that he, you know, should have been fired just because the team never seems to improve. They made the playoffs a couple times. They lose in the first round. Um, they're always around eight or nine wins. Uh, they just, I think he squandered a lot of talent from Tony Romo to Des Bryant to now Ezekiel Elliott and um, Dak Prescott. They're, I don't know. I just never see any improvement, not really any creativity. Um, they just never seem to win the big games, which I know it's kind of a big mm-hmm. thing to say, but – you look at their record they had you know across the past few years they just don't win when it counts he does just enough to 
kind of scrape by and not get fired. You know, maybe it'll be better next season. They keep him around. But I think this is the year that Jerry Jones finally has had enough. Uh, you've seen the shots of him uh, the last few games, kind of leaving the press box all, like, upset and, like, can't watch anymore. And I think not to be, you know, morbid or whatever, but he is kind of getting older. And I think in his mind he's kind of tired of this and he wants to, you know, have the Cowboys at least relevant, at least compete for a Super Bowl before, you know, he obviously is, you know, not able to be owner anymore. So I think he's tired of it and going to make a move, get rid of Jason Garrett. I know he's letting him play out the rest of the season, but I think even if they make the playoffs somehow, if uh, Philly loses this week and they uh, win their game, I think Jason Garrett's out of Dallas. And the other problem is, uh, I'm going to talk about Dak Prescott now. He's having a good year. I've talked about, mentioned his stats. He's in top three in passing, but he's kind of in the same boat as Garrett for me. He doesn't show up when it counts. Like you saw his game on Sunday, and there are a few passes that you know Michael Gallup um, dropped one or two passes that he should have had. One of them would have been a touchdown, which I definitely feel for Dak on that play. But there are a few other big plays, you know, third downs that he just could not um, get anybody open and couldn't make the. Uh, there are a few that he couldn't make the pass. They were open. He just overthrew them, underthrew them, whatever. Couldn't. There's somewhere he just couldn't find somebody open, and he's another one where if you look at his stats all year, um, I had them pulled up off of. Yeah. Um, there we go, off of a uh, Pro Football Reference, and you can kind of go down the list and you can see like, oh yeah, he lit it up versus the Giants and Washington, Miami had a killer passer rating. And you look at lost to New Orleans, it scored ten points. He had a passer rating of. 73, no touchdowns, one pick. You know, you go down to um, the loss first. The Jets threw 278 yards, which is good, but no no touchdowns, pass rating of 89, which is pretty mediocre. Um, go down to the loss versus the Pats. Obviously, that was a rainy game, bad conditions, but pass rating of 64, which is not great. And the pass rating of 74, um, a solid 260 yards, but no touchdowns. No touchdowns at all for that offense on Sunday. So I think it's kind of hard for me to – I won't say Dak is a bad quarterback. I don't want to say he's like a bust at all. Obviously, he's had some great moments so far as a quarterback for the Cowboys. But I think you compare him to what Carson Wentz is doing in Philly with how bad those receivers have been. Um, he's going out there and they haven't – though it hasn't always been pretty, but he's going out and making plays. He's making stuff happen on his own, I think. I haven't seen that uh, from Dak this year. I mean, I like him. I think he's a good leader. Everything I've seen about him, he's a good guy. But I think he needs to step it up next year. He's he's still obviously safe. I think his job is not in danger. But for the Cowboys to uh, take advantage of their talent, they have to really get more out of Dak, I think, when it counts. And then the last thing we touched on is, I mean, this kind of goes back to Garrett, but they need to use Zeke even more i think last sunday i don't know if i don't know if i can find his touches last sunday I'll probably go to oh there we go that's a better way to do it or yeah 13 carries for 47 yards for zeke receptions seven catches for 37 yards so i mean that's 20 touches which I mean, it's solid but you are on the league and look at some other um of the premier running backs and 
That's really not that much. When you got a quarterback that's when the rest of your offense is kind of struggling, you got to give a guy like Zeke the ball a lot more, which that's been another kind of, you know, gripe of mine versus uh, Jason Garrett. I had Zeke in fantasy a couple years back, <laughs> and there are a lot of games where he's not to be that guy, but, like, you know, give my guy the ball a little bit more. Um, <laughs> oh, you got a premier running back, and I think Zeke's going to – I mean, obviously he's the type of guy I think he'll go wherever the most money – Oh, he already got paid, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, oh, you're right. No, that's why they can't pay that. Jack, because they yeah. take all that money. <laughs> all right. yeah, you're good. Yeah. I agree with you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. They got to use Zeke more going forward, and Dak's got to, I think, step up in the big moment. He's, I think he's a fine quarterback. He's just got to make those you know, two or three throws a game that you know, that Tom Brady and Drew Brees and even Aaron Rodgers you know, come through and make. He's got to step up and make those now. Um, so I think kind of to round it out for me, and then I'll let you guys kind of mm-hmm. add on your thoughts, but I think they got to fire Garrett and bring in a more creative head coach. I don't know if Urban Meyer would come out of retirement to coach the Cowboys or if they can get someone like, I don't know if Byron Leftwich is ready for the head coaching job yet, but someone more creative and aggressive on offense, defense, um, trying to show uh, feed Zeke, which should be, a lot easier than you, you know, the Cowboys make it seem like it is, and then <laughs> just for Dak to step up in next year and um, show why he's worth forty million dollars a year. So I'll let you guys kind of. Yeah, Connor, you can start out. Okay, um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it's been a huge disappointment for the Dallas Cowboys this year. I do agree. I mean, I think they should have. I'm sure Cowboys fans will agree too. They should have fired Jason Garrett like two or three seasons ago. But, you know, they always talk about how Jerry Jones likes his yes man, you know, to be there <laughs> because, you know, that's the reason why Jimmy Johnson got fired. Because even though, you know, they won two Super Bowls with Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson started going against Jerry Jones and Jerry didn't like that because it's Jerry's world. So <laughs> that's why they fired Jimmy Johnson. But Jason Garrett's always kind of been the, oh, like, yes, sir. Yes, master. Like, I'll do whatever you want <laughs> to with Jerry Jones. So, <clears throat> you know, that's why Jerry Jones keeps him around. But it's finally, I, I do think you're right, it's finally going to be the year that Jason Garrett gets fired. If they don't, I mean, then it, it'll be probably one of the biggest shocks of the offseason if they don't fire him. Kind of like a couple seasons ago when we all thought that Cincinnati was going to fire Marvin Lewis, but oh, they, oh, ex- yeah. they extended him, and everybody was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> why did you do that? <laughs> um, so, which then, you know, they finally eventually fired him. But... <laughs> um, so, and then, like, I think going forward, yeah, they need to give Zeke the ball more. I mean, I know Zeke's had a disappointing year, but the guy didn't, you know, lead the league in rushing twice to, you know, all of a sudden them not give him the ball enough. And, you know, I've always known this about Dak Prescott that, you know, because people in all the Dallas Cowboys fans are talking about, oh, he's like the greatest, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But then you constantly see him throughout the game, like, you know, he's completing the you know, five-yard slant passes and, you know, drag routes and Dink stuff. And Dak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. He's, he's never yeah. completing the, you know, 20-plus-yard passes down the field, though. And so, like, mm-hmm. whenever it does happen, it's always this big thing that they have to show, like, oh, look at how well Dak's doing on these passes. <laughs> like, he's turning into this good quarterback. And then, you know, the next week he goes back to his old self and it doesn't work so, and, you know, missing stuff. So... And, I mean, I think the other thing for Dallas this year is that not only the offense, but I think the defense has been completely underwhelming this year for them as well because, you know, they made 
you know, a big point to bring Demarcus Lawrence back on the franchise tag and um, all that stuff. And, you know, he wasn't very happy, so they gave Demarcus Lawrence a lot of money. And, you know, Sean Lee and Leighton Vander Esch are there, and Byron Jones is a good cornerback. And they're just not performing the way they should. They're kind of not quite to the extent of this uh, of the Jaguars, but kind of like the Jacksonville Jaguars, I want to say. You know, the Cowboys were supposed to have this top five defense, supposedly, and where has that been all season? So they really need to address that side of the ball, too, other than just the offense. Because, I mean, if they can somehow bring Dak Prescott back or even may, even though I know I said Winston would crash and burn if he went there, but, you know, <laughs> if they can bring in, like, Teddy Bridgewater or somebody, you know, I think the offense is fine. I mean, Jason Witten's more than likely going to retire, but, you know, they still have Zeke and Amari Cooper. They need to get the defense fixed, too, to and fire Jason Garrett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so I, I agree with pretty much what you guys have said, but I I have a bigger issue with the Cowboys that goes bigger than Jason Garrett. And to me, it's Jerry Jones because he enables this culture, and it's a culture where the Cowboys and Jason Garrett can't coach this team because if a player has something wrong with Jason Garrett but he's friends with Jerry Jones, he can't be disciplined or he can't be put into place for whatever reason. And it's basically Jerry Jones is signing off on all of these signings. So giving DeMarcus Lawrence $100 million was a bad signing. Giving Zeke all this money, he extended him. He still had two years left on his deal, and he gave him like a five- or six-year deal. So he's in Dallas for eight years. He has like at least 50 million guaranteed, I think. And I think the total contract is 90 million. So it's to me, I would have never re-signed Zeke um, at that point because he's got two years left on his deal. And if he's going to hold out, well, that's why you have next man up. And I know with Zeke, it's hard to replace that, but I don't think Zeke would have held out all that time. I mean, he had two years left on his deal and he was making quite a bit of money to begin with. So, and we've seen with Todd Gurley, you don't give a running back a super max extension like that. It's never going to work out. Um, there are going to be some exceptions to that. And I think Christian McCaffrey will be an exception to that because of his play style. But with Zeke, I think he fits in the same line as uh, Todd Gurley. And it's all Jerry Jones's fault. I mean, all bring keeping Jason Garrett for as long as he did is Jerry Jones's fault. And he just does things that no other owners do. I've heard stories where he'll, He'll speak to the team after the game in the locker room before the coach does. And that's what got Jimmy Johnson so mad and what drove them apart because it's, you know, the owners and, and I know Jerry did play football, but like he didn't play it to the extent that he's like a master. You know, he's yeah. no Michael Jordan or anything like right. that where, you know, you can see, okay, Michael Jordan coming into the Hornets locker room to talk. Obviously that makes a lot of sense, but for Jerry to do that, before the head coach i mean he just doesn't have the football knowledge and i think it's all his fault that this is all happening i think he's the reason for all their failures and he overhypes this team every year too yeah he said at the beginning of the season that this team was as talented as the super bowl teams which made no sense (laughs) i mean it's it's idiocracy it's it's crazy how (laughs) how these how high these expectations are for this team and it, it, I think it is his fault because he'll, you know, he, I think he has a, he has a hand in all, 
in the play calling even too. Uh, if he likes a certain player, they're going to be favored, I think, in the, the play calling because the coaches are going to be too afraid to go against whatever Jerry Jones wants. And whoever the new coach is, it's going to either end up being a guy like Jason Garrett where you just go along for the ride and just do what Jerry says, which I don't, and I do think J- Jason Garrett is too vanilla. I think he's too basic of a of a head coach. He's not a motivator or anything, and that's the problem. The Cowboys get out to these large deficits, and then Dak Prescott has to play hero ball, and he piles up his stats in the fourth quarter, which makes it look a little bit deceiving when you see all these high QBRs and statistics and stuff. They're all coming late in the game when the team is down by 28 and they're playing soft coverage. So I think when it all comes down to it, I think Jerry Jones is the number one problem with the Cowboys. And until he either takes his hand off of football and and hires a general manager and removes himself from the football aspect of it, obviously he can still have a face in the brand and all that stuff. But until he completely removes himself from the football side of things, this team is going to finish where I think they're going to finish every year, which will be eight and eight or nine and seven or whatever around that area. And sometimes they'll make the playoffs. Sometimes they won't. And they're always going to be disappointed when they're not, because they're going to hear from their owner that they're the Super Bowl caliber team when they're really not because they can't execute because they don't have football minds that can do their thing. So I know it's sounding like a little bit of a rant. uh, I'm perfectly fine with this. I do not like the Cowboys in any way. So I really could care less, but to the Cowboy fans that are listening, Eric. Uh, yeah, Eric. <laughs> yeah. You probably, Susan, you probably would agree with me that Jason Garrett, not Jason, uh, Jerry Jones is the biggest problem yeah. with the Cowboys. I'm glad well, you brought that up because that's like, that's something I kind of forgot to mention too. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, Jason Garrett isn't doing a great job, but I think he's kind of, I do kind of feel for him because you got, you know, your billionaire owner trying to, you know, basically play Madden franchise mode <laughs> with a He's really kind of making the signings and he fails and a lot. Like, a lot yeah. of the things are backfiring. <laughs> Can he yeah. join our franchise? <laughs> yeah. So I think Jerry's got to – I think he's he's got to swallow – if he wants the Cowboys to win a Super Bowl, he's got to swallow his pride and bring in a coach that knows what he's doing and kind of take the hands off. Yes. Like, let him do what he needs to do. Like, Robert Kraft does a pretty good job of that. Let's Belichick do – whatever he needs to do kind of puts the trust in him and just steps in whenever he mm-hmm. needs money or resources or whatever. I think Jerry Jones, I don't think he will, but if the Cowboys are going to win a Super Bowl, he's got to yes. kind of let that happen. I, I totally well, agree. <clears throat> well, and for me, it kind of goes to this idea too. You know, Jerry Jones is, he's the owner and the GM. It kind of goes back to the situation where you can't really like having an, a head coach who's also a GM, like kind of like Bill Belichick or, you know, I know that I'm sure there's been other examples in the past, but having a head coach as the GM too, I think that's like that's fine <laughs> because the head coach knows what's going on, he knows the players, he knows what he needs, yes, you know, yes. To, to make the team successful. So you know that's fine. But when you've got the owner also trying to be the GM, <laughs> you know, the owner's not the one down there. You know, <clears throat> who's you know, well, you said Jerry probably does this, but you know, he's not the one who's consistently drawing up the plays and coming up yeah. with a game plan and you know, being down there on the field with the players, like knowing the players and what they need, you know, it's, 
it just doesn't work like that, you know? Yeah, I don't no, think, he... I, I, I mean, he's like the only one who's really done it. And I feel like he will be the only one who's ever done it because I don't <laughs> think it will work ever. Yes. <laughs> and, and I think that's really what's holding the Cowboys back. They have a lot of other issues, but to me, that's the biggest one of them all. If they can overcome that and they can get either a general manager or a head coach that is also like a general manager, like you said, that works fine. If they can get that situated, I think this team has the talent to turn it around and be successful. But until that happens, they're not going to be any better than what they were this year, I believe. So we'll move on now to the to Antonio Brown. Connor's going to talk about him and the <laughs> latest developments going on with him. Hey, well, you know, whereas Nate put it, uh, Antonio Clown. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I want to talk about Antonio Brown. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody knows I'm a Steelers fan, so... I have a lot of knowledge and experience with Antonio Brown watching him on TV a lot. And so, I mean, it's just amazing to me how a receiver like this, you know, what he's become. Because coming into the league, Antonio Brown, he was a sixth-round draft pick, which, you know, most of the time you see, obviously, first-round draft picks tend to not work out half the time. But a lot of the times you find these like really good successes, you know, maybe like third rounders or like late second rounders that you wouldn't think kind of like, you know, Richard Sherman is was like a mid third round pick and he turned into, you know, Richard Sherman or players like that. And so but when you look at guys like when you're drafting people in the sixth round, it's just kind of like, eh, this guy looks okay, maybe and we could probably use another one. So we'll just draft him. You know, it's not going to hurt us. You know, we're not going to pay him much money. So, but then we obviously know the story, you know, I think it was either five, I think it was five straight seasons. I was, I think maybe I thought six, but I think it was five straight seasons with at least a hundred receptions, you know, and one of those years he led the league in receptions and yards. He led the league in touchdowns at least once. And, you know, and so then all of a sudden this is a problem for, a lot of primary receivers because unfortunately wide receivers are, you know, this is probably, I think most people would agree with me on this. Wide receivers are the biggest divas and the biggest drama Queens in the NFL. You know, I don't think any other position can even come close to matching wide receivers for how much of drama Queens they are. And so, you know, the wide receivers, they always like, you know, I want the ball, throw me the ball. And so as soon as, and I think that was the issue for, the Steelers is that when Antonio Brown first came to the Steelers, you know, he was, that was when the Steelers still had Heinz Ward and people were talking about, Oh, Heinz Ward's like kind of regressing, but that, what ended up happening was, you know, the defenses would double team Heinz Ward and that would leave Antonio Brown wide open to catch the passes. And he started getting his stats. So then Heinz Ward goes and retires. And now Antonio Brown's the number one man. And he had success at it for a little bit. And I think what was helping him though, is that the Steelers didn't really have any, you know, really good backup receivers for most of the time that Antonio Brown was there. I mean, you know, Marcus Wheaton and Martavius, Martavius Bryan and Sammy Coates and all these guys that were, eh, you know, for a season or two, but nobody was like a, tr- we never had a true number two receiver. So then that all changes when the Steelers go and draft Juju Smith-Schuster. And now all of a sudden, obviously, like with Heinz Ward, Antonio Brown is drawing all these double teams. And so, oh, well, let's look to our other superstar receiver, Juju, and throw him the ball a lot. So now Juju is actually outperforming Antonio Brown in receptions and receiving yards. And now Antonio Brown's getting all pissy because he's not getting the ball thrown to him. And so normally when receivers do this, you know, they just kind of go to another team 
and they, uh, you know, they kind of shut up after that, you know. I don't know if T.O. ever really shut up, but, um, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Chad Johnson or is a good example of that. When he went to New England, he kind of shut up after he left Cincinnati. And then um, I can't think of any other examples right now, but they kind of just be quiet because now they're back to being the number one receiver. But Antonio Brown somehow just, like, I know a lot of people were saying, like, oh, he's got, this is probably because he's got brain damage or whatever. But, I mean, he just went, like, (laughs) psycho. Because after he left the Steelers, I mean, he was he wanted out, he wanted out, and you know, on it when the Steelers made that trade where they got you know like a third rounder and a fifth rounder, and everybody was like, oh, that's like way too little for what Brown is worth, you know. And at the end of the day, the Steelers won that trade. Yeah, (laughs) trading Antonio Brown for a third round and a fifth round pick was the winning side of that trade when it came between them and the Raiders. So. Because he went to Oakland and everybody thought, okay, if there's like one coach in this league, you know, or maybe like one of a few coaches that's going to straighten out Antonio Brown's going to be John Gruden. You know, John Gruden's a no-nonsense kind of coach. He's not going to put up with all the drama that Brown's going to, you know, deal with and he's going to get him in line. And he's going to, you know, he's got a new relationship with Derek Carr and everything was going fine. But then all the other stories started coming out. You know, he got frostbite on his toes (laughs) because... He went into a cryo chamber without, you know, wearing socks or whatever or shoes. Excuse me, my voice. Um, And then, obviously, the whole helmet saga. He was upset he couldn't wear his same helmet. And so, eventually, John Gruden didn't want to put up with it. And so he goes to New England. And now was this was the real thing where I was like, okay, now if there is one coach (laughs) in the league that will straighten out Antonio Brown, it is Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is the ultimate, like, field general coach who will straighten out Antonio Brown. <clears throat> well, now Antonio Brown's complaining that he can't wear his number because somebody else on the Patriots is already wearing number 84. So he's got a, you know, you see in this picture right here, he's wearing number 17. But, <clears throat> again, like, he's complaining about this, you know, something very minuscule. Like, oh, you didn't get your jersey number. Like, big deal, bro. It's not that big of a deal. You should be happy to have a jersey at all, honestly. <laughs> And so, you know, he's complaining about that. And I think it was <clears throat> Nate would know this better than me, but what was it like week two when he actually had like a really decent game with the Patriots? I can't remember. Yeah, I believe it was week two versus Miami. He had he stepped right in the offense and had like 80 yards and a touchdown, I think, like seven or eight catches. Is Yeah. And so, you know, when he went to, yeah, you know, right. One week of practice mm-hmm. and learning the playbook, he just stepped right in and. Right, right. And so everybody was like, okay, you know, Antonio Brown's back to his normal self. Like, you know, he's going to be back to leading the league in receptions and receiving yards again. Well, then all of a sudden, more drama starts happening. And then he's out of New England and eventually out of the league. And then there was all this weird stuff going on where he was like, he was going to go back to college, but it was like online. (laughs) Yeah. And he was going to go back for some, like, degree that didn't even matter or something. Like, it w- I'm just using English degree as an as a example, which I wasn't was, that. Uh, maybe it was, but I mean, you just... know, something useless like that. Apo- apologies to any English <laughs> majors out there, but you have the most useless degree of all time. Um, <laughs> so, but, yeah, so, and then he... And then, so he was, you know, like I said, going back to school, he was out of the league. And then the the final kind of chapter before we getting to the present was he kept going back and forth between, like, wanting to come back into the league and, and then, like, at the same time saying, screw you to the NFL. 
it'd be like on a week to week basis. Like one week he'd be apologizing, being like, Oh, you know, I'm so sorry for the way I handled things in Oakland and how I fell out with Bill Belichick. And, you know, I maybe even like, you know, apologize to Ben Roethlisberger for everything that happened in Pittsburgh. But then the next week he's coming back saying stuff like, screw the NFL. They're not giving me a chance. And, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and like, you know, when he was using racial, like he used a racial slur at Ben Roethlisberger and like, you know, but then the next week again, he's apologizing. And then the next week after that, he's like, I don't ever want to come back. I've lost my will to play football. So, I mean, just so fickle with his feelings and emotions. And so now we get to the present day to where apparently he's working out with the New Orleans Saints. And from what I'm gathering, it seems like Sean Payton wants to sign him. Like the Saints want to sign him, but they did because they're trying to get, they have to get info from the NFL on his eligibility at this point, because obviously he hasn't been under contract since, you know, week three, I believe. And also, you know, the NFL was talking about suspending him and all this other stuff. So, I mean, it's not as simple as the Marshawn Lynch situation in Seattle where they just, you know, brought him back and signed him. That's a bit more complicated. So, I mean, if I'm going with my thoughts on is he going to get signed, uh, I don't – it's kind of too early to tell. I think if his eligibility is, like, if he is eligible to play – I do think the Saints are going to sign him, but I don't think he's going to do anything. Like, I feel like it's going to be one of those, you know, kind of just like a symbolic, like, oh, we signed Antonio Brown. But, I mean, how much are the Saints actually – I feel like the Saints are only going to use him sparingly if they do sign him because they already have a, you know, top offense with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees and all these other weapons that they have. So – I feel like if they do sign him, it's going to be in, like, a very minimalist role. And he'll maybe, like, come in on as, like, a fourth receiver, like, a third receiver, like a slot receiver maybe in certain situations. But I just don't see things working out long term, even if the Saints – like, if they sign him, then great for the Saints. You know, I I don't care. But (laughs) I I feel like it's going to be, like, a short-term thing. It's going to be after the end of the season, he's going to – It'll that'll be it for him. He'll be out of the league again, and I don't think anybody's going to want to sign him. Like I feel like the only reason why the Saints are doing this is because they want to, you know, maybe they for some reason feel that they need um, like that extra piece to win the Super Bowl because the NFC is loaded. Like I, you know, one of the two between Zach and Nate mentioned this. I can't remember who said. It. I think it was Zach who mentioned it. Like you know, the NFC is loaded this year with. You know, even the Vikings at a wild card are ten and four right now, or ten and ten and five right now, mm-hmm. and so, and I mean, and the other wild card is going to be either Seattle or San Francisco, which you know, the, which will be like thirteen and three or twelve and four as a wild card team. So the <laughs> NFC is stacked this year. So maybe the Saints feel like they need something else to push them over the edge, but you know, after this season nobody's going to want to sign him to a long-term deal because nobody wants the headaches. And I think we've mentioned this before, like when it came to Colin Kaepernick and, you know, when, you know, last season when people, nobody wanted to sign Le'Veon Bell until the Jets finally did because nobody wants drama. Nobody wants headaches. It brings your team down. And it's, you know, why the Jaguars got rid of Jalen Ramsey. It's why the Steelers let go of Bell and Brown because once you get that drama out of your locker room, it, this tremendous, tremendous things for your team. 
I mean, you know, the Jaguars obviously were already on the downhill, but next year, without this all this drama and nonsense going on, I feel like the Jaguars could do better. And honestly, had the with the way the Steelers' defense is playing right now, if it wasn't for the fact that Devlin Hodges was playing a quarterback, I feel like the Steelers could, you know, would have been competing for the AFC North crown if they had still had Roethlisberger as their quarterback. So that's my thoughts. I mean, I think it's just a short-term thing. I don't think... And if he gets signed at all, I feel like it's 50-50 right now if he gets signed. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on if he's going to get signed and what he'll do if he does get signed? Yeah, so back earlier when you were talking about his college trip back to college or whatever, Nate and I, Nate pulled up on his phone, I think, like an essay that he wrote. And we were trying to hold on to laughter. I found, um, I was kind of going back to like, listen to what you were saying about his the way he's been acting and like you know, like why he is the way that he is and like I was I mean I was kind of rooted for him when he first came in the league like you know sixth round pick coming in and coming out all pro is obviously a great story that anyone would like to root for and then you know I kind of thought oh maybe he's acting this way because he finally got paid and he thinks he can do whatever he wants now you know maybe he's not hungry anymore but then I kind of went back to it was actually kind of ironic he posted this scouting report when he came out of college um, a couple years back after he led the league in yards or whatever and he was like oh you know the scouting report was all wrong like look at me now kind of thing and everyone you know retweeted it and whatever because it was motivational but uh, a couple lines kind of stuck out to me it said um, has prima donna attitude and does not like to work <laughs> quote attitude and work ethic are concerns which you know going back it kind of give this guy some credit like I think maybe he was just you know this way all along and he kind of hit it you know was able to hide it a little bit because he's working for that contract from the Steelers but I think there's something fundamentally off with this guy you read his tweets and you see all the situations going on with yeah (laughs) um uh no I don't know if you if anyone follows him on Twitter you can pull up his tweets they're pretty out there but he had a um He's using the hashtag no more white woman 2020 on all his tweets because <laughs> his um, white baby mother is <laughs> you know, and, uh, the woman who's accusing him of sexual assault. I think there's two of them now are both white. <laughs> um, so there's all this crazy erratic behavior that I don't understand how a person can, you know, seriously act like this and take themselves seriously. You know, when they look at themselves in the, you know, in a mirror, I don't know how you can <laughs> sit there and make a rap album called "No More White Woman 2020." <laughs> I think that's you know a good you know use of time, but I don't know. I'm kind of with uh, Connor on this one that if the Saints or somebody else does sign him, which I would be surprised if the Saints brought him brought a element like that into their locker room at this point in the season, but. I think the drama is going to come up again. I, I can't see him shutting his mouth and acting like a normal uh, human being for long enough to make impact with any team. I think even if something, you know, legally off the field, if he gets this uh, whatever sexual assault case cleared up um, and can get off the commissioner's example list and play, I think even if he stays clear off, you know, legally, I think he's just going to make people mad in the locker room. He doesn't. You know, I think going back to like the Raiders days, like I think the whole helmet point was really just to prove a point. Like he wants to get his way, 
kind of regardless. He doesn't care what the coach has to say. He doesn't care what the NFL has to say. Like, you know, it because the helmet doesn't really matter. Like, it's you know they all pretty much feel the same. Like, I had a few you know different helmets when I played, and really couldn't tell the difference. Like, I think I was more a point saying like, you know, oh, the NFL is saying I can't do this. I'm gonna, you know, throw a tantrum until I get it my way. So I think I I would be surprised if he comes back and um is in the NFL with one team for more than uh half a season. So I'll let Zach kinda yeah follow up on that. Weird and he this guy is so funny to talk about. I mean you <laughs> if it would take like two whole shows to like list every little incident that he's had because that's how many there are. So we yeah. just summarized the the frostbite, the helmet, the all this stuff. They're throwing the stuff off a balcony in a, <laughs> car, in a condo, almost right. killing a kid. I mean, crazy. But all this stuff it would take so much time to talk about. But we were talking also, Nate and I off air, it's like a like a cycle that goes on. It's like Antonio Brown cusses out the league, says, I don't need the league. The league is terrible. They're all like crackers and all this stuff. And <laughs> yeah, then yeah. He'll, yeah, he'll say all this stuff and bad stuff about the league. And then the next week he'll apologize and, you know, make up to everybody. Oh, Robert Kraft, such a great guy. Oh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, all this stuff. And then the next week he'll do something illegal and or like there's going to be something else in the court case where he intimidated a witness or something like that. It's like and then it goes back around and it just cycles over and over again. Something some legal issue comes up, some apology to the NFL some insult to the NFL. It just keeps cycling over and over again. This guy need I mean getting getting sued by your personal chef. Yeah, yeah that was funny. That was another one too. Uh, <laughs> there's just this guy needs to I think it's bigger than football. I think he needs to just, you know, fix his life. I think that's really what it comes down to. I don't think he needs to be playing football if he's got a life where uh he's he obviously can't keep his control no. over situations and yeah, that's that's just basically what it boils down to. I mean, I could talk so much more, but <laughs> as far as him being on the Saints, I I think the Saints are only doing it. I don't think they expect him to play because when if they do sign him, I think he'll go straight to the commissioner exempt list, and there's not really a penalty for the Saints because when you're on that list, the team doesn't have to pay him. The NFL pays him, so the Saints would kind of be just getting like getting his rights if he were ever to come back and I'm sure he'll be suspended when he comes back. So it's kind of, I think it's just like for the saints, they're just trying to like keep him on ice to keep another team from getting him. And I don't know if he'll play again or not, but it's, it's, um, I don't, it's obvious. He's not going to come back and play in this playoffs. That's, you know, pretty certain. So I think it's, it's basically just that. And I think also Sean Payton too, he's, He's. I think he's still mad at the NFL for the way that the last season with that no call and that pass interference stuff. He's. It's. It was kind of like an unwritten rule between teams in the NFL. Like, don't even try and sign Antonio Brown. And Sean Payton's just like saying "f you NFL." I'm gonna try. I'm gonna do this. So <laughs> I. I do think it's kind of a weird, you know, pairing between them. They, I think they both had their displeasures with the NFL. I mean, Sean Payton got suspended a year for bounty gate so they both have some gripes maybe you know they can unite behind that but uh i don't i don't know if it'll happen or not um this guy's he yeah i was saying i hadn't even thought about the idea that you brought up of like maybe they're signing him to keep him away from somebody else because like yeah 
I'm not sure how true that is, but I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, who was it? The chiefs did that with Terrell Suggs. Cause he said like, you know, if I come back, I will only play if the Ravens sign me. Like if somebody else picks me up, I'll sit down. So the chiefs were like, okay, well we'll take you. Like, so that yeah. way the Ravens <laughs> don't have you. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. so, um, I mean, I'm not sure how true that is with Antonio Brown. Cause I don't know if anybody else is actually looking at him, but yeah. I don't, you know. I don't think he'd play this season regardless, but for yeah. the future, yeah. so if he, if he were to like somehow clean his act together and, by the, I think it's a slim chance it would happen. But if he were to get, you know, get right again, like that would, then they would have his rights, you know, kind of like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember a long time ago, Justin Blackman. He had a whole bunch of situations <laughs> and stuff. So he was on like the. Right yeah, he was on some sort of commissioner list or something. Where like if he were ever to come back, then the Jags would have the rights to him, but he never made the effort to. Mm-hmm. Kind of like He's kind of like Josh Gordon. Um, they have <laughs> it's, similar it's just situations. that the Josh Gordon saga has yeah. been going but, on way longer. <laughs> yeah, but Josh Gordon, he like keeps trying to get, get back in the NFL whenever he gets his whenever he gets caught. So, whereas Blackman, I think, just said, screw it, I'm not, I'm done with this. So, I want to smoke weed, screw you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go down the I think that's where they last saw him. Oh, wow. So, but, yeah, seriously. Uh, but yeah, in the wide receiver diva thing, I, I that's true. But this guy takes it to another level. So, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's just too much with Antonio Brown. It's I, I'm not a fan of him. I actually blocked him on Twitter because wow. I was tired of seeing all this stuff. <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is comedy. But I mean, you're kind of also fueling like a psychopath too. Yeah. You, you know, it's, when you look <laughs> at it, stuff, it's true. Hey, hey, bro! If you want comedy, just look at Donald Trump's tweets. That's yeah, comedy. I'm, I'm following him. So I see that. Yeah, yeah. So, but let us know in the comments what uh, what your prediction for Antonio Brown's gonna be. Uh, we all have predictions that he's not gonna. Are we all predicting he doesn't play again? Because that's uh, that'd be my prediction. I don't think he's gonna play again. Yeah, that'd be my prediction. Like, I I feel like the. My prediction would be like the Saints sign him, but he doesn't play. Yeah, yeah. I think it's unlikely he'll ever play again. I don't know. I'd totally rule it out okay. because if he gets, you know, if the NFL lets him back in, I think some team next season will definitely get desperate. Like yeah. if a star receiver goes down, like I'm sure he'll get some calls. Like uh-huh. you know, Josh Gordon happened. Tyreek Hill, you know, beat up his you know yeah. girlfriend multiple times. He's in the NFL. Like, yeah, that was crazy. Someone will probably take a chance on him, but. You know, I think that's but I I do want to yeah I do want to say one last thing before we go and then I'll give Connor a chance to see if he agrees with me or not. But I think <laughs> I think Antonio Brown, while he's definitely you know a lot to blame, I also think the Steelers have a lot to blame with this because Mike Tomlin let him got get away with all this stuff. Like that's I think true. he even said that he had different rules for Antonio Brown because he yeah. just knew he would be late to everything. So when he went to Oakland, obviously John Gruden is like, you know, you're not going to do this. It's my way. So he he had a rude awakening, but he was kind of like enabled by Pittsburgh because he was so good on the field. They were kind of like, okay, you can do what you want. And eventually it got to the point where he, you know, didn't show up at the game. That was the final straw. But yeah, uh, I, I think Pittsburgh had a lot to do with fueling his ego and and all this stuff um i think if they had been a little bit harder on him from the beginning i don't think he would have got this bad but connor what do you think uh you think they've got any blame in this i mean it's interesting that you say that like so i hadn't read that because i mean about him with 
uh, Antonio Brown. Because I know the thing about Mike Tomlin is that there's been a lot of Steelers fans that have like questioned his like discipline and stuff. Because, but I mean, that's mostly just been the Steelers fans being crybabies yeah. and wanting Mike <laughs> Tomlin to get fired. So because most of the things I've heard about Mike Tomlin is that he is like, you know, he is a a fun guy. Like he likes to have fun, and you know, I mean, you hear clips of him sometimes when he's like hanging out, and like you know, he likes to have fun and crack jokes and whatnot. <laughs> so he's not like you know Bill Belichick or John Gruden type of yeah, coach, yeah, but I he see. still commands a lot of respect from the team because I mean, he's been the head coach of the team for twelve seasons now, twelve or thirteen. It's been a so, while. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, like you know, he's not one of these first year head coaches that kind of has to like get along with everybody just to get their way. Like he, he commands respect. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. I mean, if that was happening, then yeah, I agree that that the blame does fall on Mike Tomlin for that to enable him. Cause it's like, Oh, I can get away with that. Whatever I want, you know, kind of like how the giants never really put a leash on OBJ. Yeah. So he's been like, you know, getting away with stuff that he probably shouldn't have been. So, you know, if he ever goes to a, team that's not coached by a the, you know a team like the Giants or the Browns that's switching head coaches every two seasons you mm-hmm. know I feel like it's gonna honestly a similar thing could happen with OBJ if that happens so yeah like, like I said if that was happening then I do agree the Steelers are to blame yeah because I mean he did obviously not showing up at the game was the final straw but even before that that one time he he videotaped Mike Tomlin in the locker room remember after yeah that yeah I do that was a that. big no-no, yeah. And so, I mean, to me, it that's just – and he apologized, but it's a fake apology. That's all his apologies yeah. are all fake. So He apologized because yeah. you got caught, yes. not because you're yeah. actually sorry. And, you know, what did you think? He posted it to Twitter. Of course they're going to find yeah. out. <laughs> like, of course, you know. <laughs> you posted for the world like, to see, you know. Yeah, like it's not like you, like, saved it on – tried to save it on your phone and, like, release it in 10 years. But yeah, he's not uh, the brightest bulb on the tree. Yeah, no. Well, Connor, <laughs> I will say – I don't know if you remember this or not, but we were talking on Facebook a long time back, and this was the his last season, the beginning of his last season in Pittsburgh, and you said – you were so mad at Le'Veon Bell for saying that. You were like – I want an Antonio Brown jersey. <laughs> I know you're glad you didn't get that. Like you're saying, you were oh, saying yeah. how much better you like Brown than uh, Bell and all that well, stuff. It was you funny because, like, like, you know, he'd never had any of those issues before. Yeah, it was like you know, leading up to that, it was all Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell, and it's funny because now, I mean, when you look at them now, I mean, I would have rather have the Steelers made an effort to hang on to Le'Veon Bell because yeah. Le'Veon Bell has actually been like pretty apologetic since then. He's been like, yeah. I mishandled it. It wasn't right. You know, he's a huge, and and he was saying like, you know, he expected the, uh, you know, when they went to MetLife stadium, he was like, yeah, I'm expecting the Steelers fans there to boo me, but like, you know, they're, it's kind of warranted. Like, you know, I, I'm not going to blame them if they do like, so, but obviously Antonio Brown's just been psycho since he left the league. So I mean, I'm glad I didn't get either of their jerseys, you know? Yes. that's why, you know, I haven't, I need to get another Steelers jersey, but it's why if I do, like, right now, I've I've got a Palomalu jersey, but right now, if I get another jersey, it would be a Roethlisberger jersey, because, I mean, you know, he's not going to have anything like that happen, he's no. been there forever, no. and he, he's going to retire a Steeler, so it's why I'm always, I've always been so wary of getting jerseys of players oh, yeah. that, like, you know... Especially superstars, because like mm-hmm. you know, at some point, inevitably, until you get to like ten years or so in the league, 
you're not gonna be with that team when your career's over. So it's a crapshoot, man. Like, yeah. yeah, it really is. And the and they don't really have a refund policy. That's really it's like it's like oh, the yeah. only way you can get a refund is if they're traded in like 30 days when yeah. you bought the jerk. So. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty hilarious when I saw um, when I went to the NFL Hall of Fame. This was I will say this is the only team I saw this for. I was I thought I would see it more when I saw it like originally, but it was the only team I saw it for. There were a lot of uh, heavily discounted Joe Flacco Baltimore Ravens jerseys on display. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was like, oh man, like look at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're we're up to we're past an hour now, guys. So this is gonna wrap up the show. But yeah, so all NFL talk here. Next episode we'll probably bring some I mean, we'll it'll be NFL playoff time too, so we'll talk about that. But we'll we'll hit some other sports too. We'll talk about how the national, the college football playoff games go and the mm-hmm. build out to the national championships. So we're back uh, regular schedule, two episodes a week now. Just took a break off for Christmas, so hopefully you guys had a great Christmas too. I didn't even talk about that in the beginning, but you know, hope we kept in touch with some of our fans during the holidays. But hopefully everybody had a good Christmas. Had uh, good time with family and all that stuff so hopefully uh everybody's ready to start losing the weight that they gained <laughs> in cookies and stuff that they ate during, uh, <laughs> during christmas but but yeah uh, take care guys and have a great rest of your day see you for eric peace